So welcome to everybody to the Friday night talk. And our talk this Friday evening is the food mood connection. It's about thinking and feeling well. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And so most of us are aware of how food we eat affects us, affects our health. Yeah, caffeine at night, no, no, for most of us. Um, although I've just met a friend who can drink coffee at seven o'clock in the evening and has no problem sleeping. So obviously something, everybody's bodies are different. But I guess tonight we're looking at exploring the connection of between what we eat and how we think and feel, how food affects our thinking, our mood, our consciousness. And um, there is a saying in the East, as is our food, so becomes our mood. Um, so we're asking our speaker this evening to look into two possible things for us, the food mood or thinking, the food mood link, and the think well to feel well connection. And then secondly, how to boost your food and mood. Our speaker is Christine Westbury. She's joining us from Melbourne, um, Australia. Christine has spent considerable years as a medical researcher in child disability, working at the Royal Children's Hospital in Melbourne and at the University of Sydney. She currently coordinates the Fitzroy Brahmakumari's Meditation Centre. And I visited, I've had the honour of visiting. It's an amazing building, absolutely amazing. But one of the things that it had well before anybody else had uh, within the organisation worldwide is a bookshop that people could walk in off the street and come in and talk to meditators not just browse books, but actually speak to meditators who had been practicing for a number of years. Normally you would, if you wanted to meet somebody who'd practiced meditation for a number of years and was very experienced, you would need to go up the mountains, into a forest or into a monastery. And yet here was a place that would, you walked in with your cup of coffee, or after a busy Friday night on your way home that late in the morning. <laughs> and you would meet these yogis and you could really talk and feel their presence. And it's this place particularly that was the inspiration for the inner spaces that we have worldwide. So Christine was there starting a trend for us worldwide. Christine's going to speak for the next 35, 40 minutes, and then do a guided visualization with us. After that, she'll be taking your questions. So please send in your questions via the question answer link or through the chat if you can't access your question and answer link. And I will be putting those questions to her on your behalf. Christine, over to you. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you, Ati that lovely introduction. So very nice to be able to share with you tonight. And this topic is one that um, I have a lot of interest in because, and um, even though, as we all know, there's lots of things that will affect our moods. Um, food is one that in many ways we already know, but the area that really interests me the most about it is consciousness and our human thoughts and what they do to food. And so this is where I'd like us to go a little bit tonight. Um, but, oh, sorry, you'll have, oh, yes, we are tonight for you, <laughs> I'm thinking. So um, one of the, I thought I would start, though, with some of the basics, which you would all probably know, but they are related to just the foods, food groups, and also um, what they also do to our thinking and our moods. And just simple things, simple things like um, getting enough water, 
I don't know about you, but really when we are parched and we're dehydrated, it does affect our thinking. And in fact, it, um, and it affects our, our concentration. So concentration and thinking clearly has a big um, connection with whether or not I'm dehydrated. Um, and so of course, six glasses a day or so, they do suggest that you have um, six or seven. And so that's really important to pay attention to the water intake. But along with that also is to eat regularly. Um, so our blood sugar levels don't drop because if they drop, that's a, you know, we end up with um, quite a bit of anxiety. Um, we get tired, we get irritable, and even a bit of depression can sort of sneak in too if we're not keeping regular, you know, intake of food. And actually having similar timings is also good too for the body and its digestion. Um, another one, of course, which you also already suggest, uh, actually mentioned was like stimulants. Um, as we know, caffeine and chocolate, which has, which has caffeine too, has a big effect on our um, highs and lows. Some For some more than others, but I know for myself, I've had to come off caffeine. I had to go into decaffeinated um, because it would just put me into mood swings. Um, great highs and then great sort of lows and tiredness. And um, so that was another thing. But along with all the stimulants, we've got sugar, especially white sugar. Um, we've got the high energy drinks um, and processed foods also um, bring a lot of highs and lows too. Um, along with that, of course, um, what also is also required is making sure that we've got enough um, fiber in our diet for our gut, because they really affect our emotions, the gut, if it's not being um, uh, given the right fiber. So stress and anxiety can come through that. A lot of actual diseases then sort of spin off from it. Um, also protein protein and fats to be getting a lot of amino acids for the brain, um, especially through, and, and of course that helps our thoughts and feelings. And it's, we especially need those through things like legumes and nuts and lentils and seeds, which have um, probably the best amino acids. And then of course fats, getting the right fats like avocados and nuts, etc. And not also to underestimate, you know, the fruit and vegetables, at least having, there's a sort of a rule that goes with five, that means fruit, combined fruit and veggies, so five of those each day. And they also stimulate mental health through the minerals and the vitamins that they have. So, you know, there's lots of layers that go with um, what food contains and how that will affect us mentally and emotionally and of course that means our moods um, another thing that's probably less well known but still really worthwhile understanding and that is um, the classifications of food according to the ayurvedic diet um, and that's actually kind of goes back probably 2000 years at least and was like part of the original medicine and it's based on what's called prana, which is the life-giving force in foods. Um, so it's that life-giving force in foods and of how they affect our minds and our thoughts. And so there's three categories. Some of you would know um, they come under the categories of satvic and rajasic and tamasic. And satvic means like the true essence of of um, life and foods. And these actually energize the body as well as the mind and brings a lot of mental clarity. Um, and of course, those things include fruit, vegetables, legumes, again, um, also grains, 
nuts, etc. all of those, they kind of sit within that sattvic category. Then you have the rajasic, which is kind of middling. It's neither too good and it's neither too bad, but still things to be careful of. Um, and these actually are very stimulating foods and they also bring a lot of agitation and irritation to the mind. Um, and those, of course, there we sit with our caffeine, uh, which of course is the chocolate as well, excessive spices and chilies and peppers, um, back to refined sugars, um, old food, stale food. So these also have an, a big effect as well. Um, and along with that, of course, is the tamzik, which are the ones that it's worthwhile thinking about because these ones are the ones that really do affect the, our thinking, our moods and our mind, etc. And of course, it doesn't take much to, <laughs> we all know what it means to um, sometimes, you know, the alcohol and uh, probably mind altering drugs, um, they can really make the mind go in such a direction that um, it makes it incredibly, we can actually get a lot of swinging moods, maybe highs, you know, highs, but very much the lows as well. So the moods will get affected by that category of alcohol, mind-altering drugs, pharmaceutical drugs, of course, many of us have to take. And they do actually affect the mind and our thoughts, but there's a reality that we do need to take those. Um, unless we've found some other alternatives, which if you're lucky to do that, that's great. Um, and of course, along with the, the Tamzik, um, they are renowned for a lot of apathy. They're renowned for um, tiredness. Um, depression can come through those and inertia. And so ones that we need, though, are things that, you know, more stabilise the mind. Another part of this tamzic category is, um, is meat. Now, why? Why does that have an effect on our thoughts, etc.? And so now we're going to getting into the more subtle aspects that go with the foods that we eat. Um, and of course, with, with meats, one of the things that um, we can, we're not aware of um, but in the main, a lot of the meat production of all the different species of, you know, the meats that are uh, killed for a human consumption, they have been fed hormones. Now, just think about these things that actually that will affect also our moods. The hormones, they get fed hormones, steroids, antibiotics, um, and when you add that with the adrenaline, which the species or that those animals, birds, will experience when they know that imminent death is there, that all gets lodged into the flesh of the meat. So you've got adrenaline and you've got hormones, steroids, antibiotics. Um, so these actually, when we ingest those, also have a big effect as well um, on our thinking, on our moods. Um, but also within the, the meats, there is the violence that goes with not only the killing of the species, but also the, the rearing of the species, um, what goes on, you know, in farmyards. I have to say, I, I did, I, my father was a farmer for considerable years when I was growing up, and um, I did see a lot of these things, so I was a bit of a witness to it all, what would go on. And so there's many other sorts of things, tamzic ones, that do affect the food. It does affect the actual life force in the foods of which we then ingest. Um, but they would probably be enough right now. There are other ones as well, but you can certainly find those out. Um, now, the other thing, as I was saying earlier, I really do have an interest in... Um, human consciousness and human thoughts and the effect that they have on any matter because every human thought that or every thought that we think 
it doesn't just stay within here, which is what I used to think, actually. It just stayed within the... But it actually goes out and permeates and is absorbed by matter, any matter in its path. And that, of course, is um, our body is part of that. Um, and along with that, of course, is food. So it permeates um, in such a way that, especially as I say the body, that so many diseases are a result of our thoughts and our emotions. Um, psychosomatic illness, they're called. And a lot more of our diseases and illness are created through our thoughts and our emotions than maybe we like to think. But it is a reality. Um, and so, you know, how do we know, you know, that because we're talking subtle now, how do we know that the frequency of our thoughts and emotions do actually penetrate into matter? There was a really wonderful experiment, um, well, more than one, actually. Um, someone called Masuro Emoto, a Japanese scientist, he did these experiments. And he did one on um, the water experiment in which he would take the same water and put it into vessels like a glass and line it up. And what he would do with that water is that he would, um, or he, or he had a team in which they would, you know, either put like sounds like music, um, words or thoughts and feelings and intentions that were directed to each of the glasses. Each one would have a different uh, word or sound um, emitted to it. Um, and of course, what happened is, um, then that would be done for a period of time in which they were isolated, each of those glasses of water, and that one person would just focus with, you know, words, let's words or thoughts like, I love you, you're so beautiful, um, and really heartfelt. And someone else would be saying, Oh, you disgust me, you hate, I really hate you, giving that sort of vibration that would go with it. Um, and then, of course, all the different styles of music. And then those waters would be frozen and they would take, shave off some of the, um, you know, the ice. And, and, and then they would examine that under a microscope, I think it was. And it's just extraordinary. The difference in the actual formation of the crystals. Some of them didn't even have crystals. It was just a fun, and, and the color was actually changed in some of them. Um, some just would be blobs, some were just sort of, you know, masses of different blacks and browns. Um, and of course, the ones that had the words or thoughts, I love you, you're so beautiful, came out with these pristine crystals, just the most beautiful crystals. And the others that had sort of, you're ugly, I don't, I hate you, um, had the darkest, ugliest, you know, no, no shape, no formation, but just this blobs. Um, and this has actually been uh, documented and published in journals, this, this experiment, and it's just one of many, really, um, to show how that the molecular structure in water um, transforms when it is exposed to human words, thoughts, feelings, emotions. So the actual molecular structure of, well, that of water or in the case of food also will, will be transformed in a way which is either elevating it and making it a high frequency or making it the opposite lower frequency. There was another experiment called, uh, which was a rice experiment that he did, which is also fascinating, um, in which he put the same rice, use, same, using the same rice from the same sack, uh, the same water, and three different containers. And so he put this, um, um, he left them for one month, the rice covered with the water, 
and same thing someone would be or you would you know from a, a little bit of a different location would be saying how beautiful you are i really love and adore how you are and the other one would of course be the more you are ugly you i hate you and then in another room there was the one on just ignored totally ignored and after a month what happened is the one that was the rice that we had been left there who'd been exposed to the words of love and you're beautiful a similar but that showed through the food and the food actually in that case the rice had um become uh it was actually um fermented but it had a very pleasant odor and even a golden color and the rice that had been exposed to you're ugly and really don't like you etc that just became black after a month and then the one that where there was just just ignored and, and actually deliberately ignored there was that sort of vibration given to it you know i'm not interested in you sort of thing that actually went black and rotted so it's very interesting this you know the transference of human consciousness that gets absorbed and the molecular structure then of course um, changes so um, in relation to that um, I had to think about it and I thought wow food is exposed to our thoughts all the way through its whole production you think about you know when food is firstly um, we sow it you know we grow it um, and then we harvest and reap it. And then, of course, we have to transport it. We, of course, they would say, um, transport it, then it gets to markets and then to supermarkets, and then it eventually gets into our house. Along the way, that food has been exposed to multiple different human beings who are thinking. Now, if they're all thinking thoughts like, what a beautiful day. Oh, I'm loving life. You know, this kind of really uplifting vibrational thoughts. That food is actually being, you know, absorbing all of that and it's actually enhancing it. But if they're having thoughts of stress or worry, that also is being absorbed by the food. Stress, worry, anger, that is being absorbed into the food as well. And so... Um, by the time that food gets into my kitchen and to my, I've, I'm holding this um, product, you know, foods that have absorbed multiple different energies. And I hate to think that probably more negative energies. And when I eat that or the people I live with eat it, it's going to affect our moods, it's going to affect our thinking. So what do we do? Um, we have to really work on transforming that energy. Just like Masaru Emoto and the, and the rice and the water experiments, we need to really put a, a lot of attention into that food um, to be able to transform the negative energy that it has um, absorbed along the way. And so in order for that, we have to put a higher frequency, which means really positive, uplifting um, energy, deliberate, especially even more so um, to change our thoughts, to make them as peaceful, as loving, and feelings of gratitude, you know, joy. So that can be absorbed into the food before I eat it because that will affect also my mind when it comes in, you know, as Arti was saying, you know, as is my food, so is my, uh, how do we call it? Um, you are what you eat, as is my food, so is my mind or my moods. So that transformation process is really, really needed at a level where I need to change my consciousness. Um, so having said all of that, I thought I'd slip in here a little bit of, because I'm a researcher, of course, I do like to research things. 
Um, and so another uh, study, which I found incredibly um, interesting was by this Dr. David Hawkins. And he does a study on the anatomy of consciousness. And what he does is that he calibrates through kinesiology, the frequency of emotions and consciousness. And so what he actually was able to um, produce was that feelings and emotions of shame, they calibrate at a frequency of 20, which is amazingly, almost close to death. And then you've got after that, if I remember rightly, uh, apathy, I think, or guilt, one of them. Anyway, guilt, apathy, these are all the layers then, but they are a higher frequency. They just step by step. Apathy, grief, fear, um, and so it goes on with the negative ones. When we reach a certain level of courage, and interestingly, I didn't know this before I was explaining earlier, I'm sure some have joined late, I was explaining to Arti how courage has been a big one for me all through my life, or especially the last you know, 30, 40 years, um, when I wanted to make some changes to my life. Um, and interestingly, with the study of um, this uh, David Hawkins, it also revealed that um, when we reach courage and when we start to step up and just make that, have that determination that I'm going to now move in this direction or I'm going to really work on, you know, having more attention on my thinking, etc. Um, that resonates at 200. And that's the critical point in which we are on our way to be able to raise our consciousness. Um, and then, of course, you go into the levels then of going into peace and love and compassion, um, all of those, you know, and, and, and well, peace and silence. Up to the level, highest level is that of um, 1,000. And the 1,000 calibration is that of enlightenment and I don't know if it can be taken at the level of probably, you know, these founders of religions and things like that, people who really are doing that level of, have that level of consciousness. Um, so from 20 and shame to 1,000. So pretty much why I'm explaining this is that um, that revealed to me that if I keep, see, at one level, we talked about the food process and production is absorbing everyone else's food, other's thoughts. Now, we can't stop that. There's no way we can stop the way other human beings are thinking. It's not, you know. But the main thing is it's my thinking because that food, if I, when it comes into my house and I'm still thinking thoughts of annoyance and stress and worry and you know agitation about something. More, even more, that food is absorbing that. So it's adding, I'm adding on top of the other energy that it's got. I've also put my consciousness, my thoughts into that too. So what to do? Um, and so the best thing we can do is is to bring about that transformation is firstly is at my own level of consciousness to be really working on the issues or you know the negative emotions that I carry because that's going to transfer into the food as I cook it wash it clean it all of that will happen and so if I can lift my the frequency of my thinking and emotions up beyond that 200 mark um, and by having courage to think and make a decision 
I don't need to stay in this grief or this shame or this worry, um, fear. I can do something to shift this. Um, and this is where I reached in my life. You know, I reached that point in which I just thought, I don't want to stay in this anymore. And it affected everything in my life. You know, I'm digressing a bit from food now, but well, in a way not, because that food was being affected. Everything I ate, everything I prepared, because I was languishing a bit too much in those negative things. So it became such a... Um, I just made it a really big objective in my life then to start this transforming and move out of those. And it's not to say I'm permanently out of them. I dip in and I dip out too with, you know, some of these negative emotions, but nowhere near like. And so I'd like to share um, some of the techniques that I have used. Um, I think sometimes when, you know, there's that level of grief or shame, which is one that many of the, you know, many of us have had, had the experience, or maybe it still is there latent. I always recommend some level of counseling because I find and I see that helping a lot. Um, but before we go on to looking at a few of the techniques to bring about that transformation of my emotions and thoughts that are affecting the food that I'm preparing and eating, um, I just thought I would mention the, the, the steps of where we've had food production outside being affected by others. And then the food, when it's in my kitchen, um, mindful that that food, when it's come in, I go through the process. Well, it goes into the fridge often, fresh veggies especially, um, but otherwise it's there in the kitchen. Then when I'm about to prepare something, there is, well, the washing of, it, of the vegetables or fruit, um, you know, bringing all the ingredients together. And um, so it's the washing, it's then the chopping, and then there is the cooking and then there is the eating. So there's some major steps there in our movement and our working with the food. And so um, that is a really transformational time to help that food be absorbing and being able to help change that molecular structure of some of those um, vibrations that it had previously absorbed and so the kitchen and I hope you don't mind me saying this but I kind of like this to have the thought to make the kitchen a very sacred kind of a place you can use the language that you prefer but to make it one that it's a real beautiful like a little meditation space or I don't know what else you could use some people talk about a temple any of these words but make it very sacred because it's, a, it's, it's like a huge transformation and through my consciousness and thoughts can go on there. So I can play music and, you know, some nice sort of soft music or play some words that are really uplifting. So my consciousness gets lift, what, lifted while I'm doing all the preparation. Now, I know probably a lot of you have got families and for some reason, kitchens become very noisy places. Um, and I know it's probably very challenging, but I, I would probably invite you just to experiment. Just give it a try. Um, maybe just put, you know, your phones, your earplugs in and listen to the music. Have that consciousness. I'm really going to give that sort of love and and care to this food, and especially as I'm stirring it, that's the really crucial time, um, and really put that vibration into the food at that time. Um, and just experiment with it, you know, over a few days, weeks. Don't say to the family what you're doing, if you know, you've got family or partners around, and let's just see as to whether or not you get a bit of a different comment about the food, because you know, our, um, as you heard, you know, I'm in a meditation center and we also have retreat centers and which I'm sure you would have heard from Artie, they all, you, also, you also have one in Oxford. I'm not sure if the doors are open again yet, but um, 
But the retreat centers and anything really to do with meditation and Raj Yoga is very much, um, very much emphasizes the effect of the food vibration on our minds. And so it's a really big part. So what happens is that for us, especially in the retreat centers, is that we make the meditations, uh, make the actual kitchen, like I said earlier, into something, we make it almost like a meditation room. So we have music playing, pretty much no one's talking. Um, of course, there has to be a certain level of talking when there's a number of people having to put food together, but mostly very little. Um, and the vibration in the kitchens is almost like stepping into a, some kind of, you know, very special, you know, even like the churches have got a really beautiful vibration. All the places where people are doing these sorts of things, it has that lovely sort of sacredness. And so often what happens is that people go there and they, of course, go for the retreats. And... Um, they always talk about the food. Now, admittedly, it's vegetarian food, but it's not, you know, it's simple. Certainly not lots of expensive ingredients. It's not possible. We don't have that level of ability. Um, but simple vegetarian food. But it is all prepared in that environment, prepared with awareness on their consciousness. And, you know, and so such a difference so i'd invite you to try this out just to have your little walk i keep wanting to say walk man gosh i'm showing my age um but have your music in or whichever way just or even before you get into the kitchen you can just sort of have that thought and that awareness of what i'm going to be thinking with the food prep and even before eating i mean they say you know there's all sorts of practices by different groups where they you know, have this kind of prayer over the food before they eat it. Um, you know, some say grace or whatever. But, you know, even just to have 10 seconds in silence, just to, again, just as of before I start to eat, is just to have that thought of just feeling that gratitude, giving that love to the food again, and just giving that extra current of vibration into the food that's going to affect me when I eat it. So that will help. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's quite interesting, the effects of this. Um, and, and I was talking to someone here just yesterday. She's a mental health nurse. And she was reminded, because we started to talk on this topic, and she was saying how um, in her line of work, she, it's very easy to absorb the, the energy of some of the terrible emotional traumas that people are going through and she says it really can wear her out and wear her down and she said this one time she went to out to lunch we went to the home of this person who is a regular meditator really attention on his thoughts and he was cooking so she you know obviously had the lunch she could not believe the feeling of how she just felt so serene inside so empowered so that when she went back to work she felt like she had this total shield of safety and protection around her so she didn't feel affected by all the vibrations of you know her clients um and she knows it was the food and how he had prepared it and she did double check with him as to what his you know consciousness had been while she, he was preparing it so um, something that may sound a bit wafty, but really worth experimenting with. And I think you will find a lot of, um, you know, changes as well. Um, and also, I mean, just another little example is that anyone who loves cooking does help to love cooking. Um, who loves cooking has puts the time into it, isn't rushed, isn't stressed, etc. Um, and loves the ones that they're cooking for, that food will have an extra vibration. Extra. And we all know that, you know, especially in my day, my mother didn't work. Like she didn't, well, we had a farm, so she did help on the farm. 
but she was mostly a you know homemaker and she would put a lot of in you know her old heart and soul into the cooking and so you know often I can think back to the food that oh this was so good this was so good and I used to think oh because of taste you know I was thinking it was taste but no it's more than that definitely more than that um it was definitely you know the heart and the love that was going into the food as well so all these things make a difference so anyways I thought I would just share because I thought okay now we've reached the point of realizing that changing my consciousness is going to affect that food before I eat it and it's easy to say that but it's not always that easy to change some of our old habits and our whole patterns of thinking, as I'm sure many of you who have attempted to change these things, are not always that easy. And I'll be quite honest, I absolutely you know, find them challenging at times. So there has to be a few techniques that will help. And um, not that we've got much time now to share those, but um, I would say, um, one of the things out of all the techniques would be to start to, if you can, and I really recommend it, um, I don't know how many sort of professionals who um, are into change management, into coaching, etc. also recommend this, give the mind five minutes quality empowerment, just five minutes before you start your day preferably not lying down, but, you know, get up and just sit. You know, if you can play the music or play some uplifting words, but just something that's going to feed into the mind some beautiful thoughts, um, uplifting, just to be able to settle the mind, um, that sort of thing, to be able to start the day with that. Because then the mind will be stabilised. It'll just be that much more calm, that much more peaceful, and a lot more stable. So when anything comes our way, when anything comes our way, what will happen is that um, we can deal with it because the mind is, is so much more stable and capable. So that is one thing, five minutes. During the day as well, keep checking in on your thinking. You know, we have certain types of thoughts that we are thinking. I find, and we call this the SOS, take that into the day. SOS is simply stand back and just check, hey, what am I thinking right now? What are my thoughts doing? Where are they? What are you doing? You know, what are, what are my thoughts? Where are they? And often if they've gone into something a bit negative, a little bit distressed, stressed, the mere fact of awareness, and it's like a mindfulness too, the awareness of just checking in on those thoughts is enough for often the thoughts to shift. Because interestingly, even the conscience is saying, I shouldn't be thinking like this. I don't want to. It doesn't make me feel good. And I should be thinking more like that and more, you know, rather than being upset with that person, I should be a bit more compassionate. But the habits are so strong. And so as soon as I check in and I find that my mind, um, that I see my mind has gone off, you know, onto this negative tangent, it's enough for the mind and the conscience just goes, hey, come on, we don't want to go there. That's not the kind of thoughts that makes us feel good the rest of the day. Come on, let's move. And often the mind, that will be enough. Often, not always, but often. So that's a simple step, just checking the mind all day long, what kind of thoughts it's thinking. And so the, it's the S of standing back, separating ourselves out from our thinking, checking in what has been my thoughts up to now, today, and from that, the O means of SOS, just watching and observing, standing back, watching, observing. And then, of course, we've got more of a capability to steer the mind where 
I prefer it to go because um, the need, you know, to be able to steer it, I have to be, I have to have separated myself away from those thoughts. Otherwise, the emotions that go with negative thoughts and feelings, they can trap me so much. That's why I have to be a little bit separate. Just stand back and watch my movie. Watch the movie of my mind. It's like you would watch any movie. Hey, what's the movie going on in my mind right now? And then by seeing that movie, by standing back, I can then go, hey, be like the director of a movie. No, I don't like this kind of a, you know, this actor doing this. How about doing it like this? You know, rehearse a different way of doing things. And also that can mean also at night before going to sleep. Um, I'll just quickly slip this one in. There's so many different techniques to be able to change our habits and consequently the moods, um, which consequently will then affect the food of which we are about to prepare and has been affected by others, others thinking. Um, so before I go to sleep at night, takes one minute this is all it takes just check in on the great things that happen during the day often we just don't appreciate you know this gratitude that many are doing now i love this thing of the gratitude journal i call it just the lovely things that happen during the day i just you know stopped and smelt the roses in someone's front yard or in the park um Someone let me in on the traffic and I smiled and they smiled. Any little thing that was very, very sweet, just let that energy, you know, just absorb the energy of that lovely little thing that happened during the day. But then also look at the things that didn't go so well. And, you know, that's still playing on my mind. Because what we're trying to do is that we don't want to take anything negative from today into tomorrow. This is putting a closure to the day each day because pretty much our lives are filled with yesterday, last week, last year, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. We're harboring and holding thoughts that just from the past, which is such a big impact on how I think now, how I feel now. And so if something didn't go well today, let me, okay, I'm wrapping up now, let me in that just rehearse what happened in a way that I would have preferred it or would like it to. So I want to lay down a new habit of how I would respond in that situation the next time so that I'm not feeling bad about it still at the end of the day. And just by rehearsing a new way of doing it, just by thinking, okay, next time I'll say this or I won't say that and see yourself in that situation because that similar situation will come again, I've found, just for us to learn the lessons and think it's great. These lessons are great because they're helping me to change. So those are just some simple little techniques just to get us you know, to help in this transforming. So that's it, uh, Aki. Thank you, Christine. Would you do a very short guided meditation with us? Because we've got lots of questions come through. Oh, really? Oh. <laughs> okay. So a, a guided meditation. Okay. So... I'm going to take you into a funny sort of a thing. I'm going to get you to visualize. Now, many of you are sitting in your room, in your homes anyway, and you're right at the edge of your kitchen somewhere. So I'd like you to visualize, close your eyes for this, um, just to visualize yourself standing in the doorway of your kitchen. And step in to the kitchen and you've got a certain foods that you're going to prepare for the for the meal you know in your mind so you go and get all those foods out of the fridge out of the cupboard etc and you put them on the bench so just see yourself just 
try and do that. So you just visualize yourself now doing that. Now, with all of those things there on the bench, at the same time, you've got your phone and, and your headset or however, or those pods. Um, and just make sure now you just put on some very soft, lovely music, one that you really like, music that you really love. Um, but something very, very serene or some lovely words or just the sound of water running, whatever. So put that on and you've got everything ready now to prepare. So you're listening to that and letting your mind just become a little bit absorbed in the music and absorbed in it. And just allow your feelings just to become very, very, um, you know, gentle and soft and let your mind just become stable and just be tell your mind I'm here right now for something so important and it really is I'm about to prepare food that's going to go into my mouth and affect my mind but also it's going to go into other people's mouths and affect their minds so I have that thought and I bring into my mind such high frequency thoughts uh, of serenity of peace I can visualize in a beautiful peaceful scene um, and the higher the frequency the better the more I can get towards that thousand the better so I bring in those sort of thoughts and then I wash and I chop and I put things into the pot and I stir and I with this with my heart and soul I pour as much love into that pot as I stir and then just still imagine this you're in the kitchen and you're preparing the food you know who you're kind of preparing it for but especially preparing it for your own mind and then the food is ready and it's like you've made it very very you know transformed and then you've got it on the plates and then when it's on the plate you don't say this to others to do but if you might want just for yourself just for five seconds just have that stop for five seconds and just again just put that heartfelt love again over the food and allowing it to absorb it more and pretty much that's what I was saying earlier when you do this, you know, and you try it out one, two or three times, and uh, you might like to try it with just vegetarian, but that's up to you. Um, just see the kind of responses you get from others who are eating it. <laughs> so just a little simple visualization to get you ready. <laughs> Thank you. I think it's very practical as well, because it will help us when we try it, the whole new approach in the kitchen and yes. hopefully change our relationship with our kitchen um, yes. in that way, which is very beautiful. So thank you. There's a number of people, if I can go straight into the questions, um, there are a number of people asking, could you please give the name of the Japanese scientist that you referred to? Um, and his work with rice and water. Yeah. Uh, his name is Mazuro, M-A-S-U-R-O. And the last word is, his last name is Imoto, E-M-O-T-O. -O. Um, 2014, he actually did die. Um, but still, of course, all his experiments and work is still out there. And you'll as with everything now, you'll be able to Google and get all the photos, the pictures of the different, you know, experiments. It's quite fascinating. But try it yourself to prove it to yourself. I haven't done it myself, but someone that I know did. She did the rice one and she was just mind, you know, just it was like mind blowing to see this difference. Thank you. Thank you. Um, second question. If I start to love my food, do you think it will help me to stop abusing it and myself? As I've always eaten too much food, too much junk, and always hated cooking in the kitchen. 
<laughs> right. I think if we take it, the next step from love is to think about, do I, you know, I, do I like um, any negative feelings that I'm getting? You know, if I am sort of feeling in whichever way, which is not a feeling I would like to feel, am I getting those during the day? Um, if I can identify certain feelings that I'm getting in certain emotions and moods, um, if I can talk to myself and go, I've got a way to be able to shift and change these moods. And in a way, it's kind of a simple technique, really, you, through food. If we have to convince our mind first, <clears throat> and when I think, well, I am going to be able to transform a lot of my emotions and thinking through the food that I eat and preferably prepared by myself, then make time. I know what it's like. You can get too busy or actually, as you say, you don't even like to cook. But now just use it as an experiment. And so, you know, um, set, a, set about certain um you know recipes but make them simple really really simple because you don't want a burden and also try to get more fresh and try to because processed foods deep fried foods sugar are, are what is creating a lot of problems in our thinking and our emotions and our moods so we have to convince ourselves after that thank you Thank you. The next question is, for almost 50 years, um, I ate with my family and friends, and it was never eating on my own. But for the last 25 years after my husband passed, I'm mostly eating on my own, and there is still a sadness. Is there something I can do to shift that sadness that's connected with eating food on my own rather than with a family or friends? Well, that's a very amazing question. Yeah, very relevant question. Um, I suppose if we start to get this relationship with the food as being something that's, that's almost like a, a friend, and, and that becomes almost like a little companion, that this food is one in which I'm, I've prepared it with love from my heart and I'm giving so much, I'm honouring the matter of food um, by just giving it that care and attention and, and love as I prepare it so that that will go into the food. And so when I sit to eat it, it will be like um, a sort of a funny kind of a companion, I know, but it's something I've nurtured. I've nurtured it from the moment I bought it and the way I prepared it. And now here I am being able to, you know, put this food into the body. And so it's a very lovely connection we make with the food. Um, and so that would be one thing. I mean, I do know of some people, if you hope, hope, I hope you don't mind sort of mentioning this, but some people who do have this kind of connection with some higher spirit or something or a higher being. Um, and what they do is have the sense that when they sit to eat, is it's, it's like they invoke this, you know, higher spirit um, in whatever form. Everyone's got their own different forms and how they see this, those who do have a sense of it. And it's like to invoke that and just say, come and be be here with me as I eat. So <laughs> that is one I know a few who do use that and they do feel a lot of um, soft, you know, connection of not being alone. But it's a very beautiful, relevant question. Thank you. In earlier generations, and you mentioned it for yourself with your mother, um, lots of love was shown through cooking. Currently, we're living in very fast times. And so um, we're having to eat out or order in um, or eat food on the run. How do we counteract this? Well, 
Well, there are always going to be maybe those times. The first thing I would do that when you do have to do any of those, um, don't just start eating quickly. You know, put that food in front of you. And this is back to honouring and gratitude. You know, the, the think of the, <laughs> I can't help but say this, but think of the number of people who do not have food to eat. And it's like the gratitude that here I have the ability to have this food. So just to sit with that food and give it so many thoughts of gratitude and, and the honour that I have to be able to have this food. Now bring in this peace and love and fill that food with that vibration at the eating level. Um, invariably, I think if we look at our lives, I mean, I am totally one of these frenetic people at times, <laughs> much better than what I was. But, you know, on the go, everything is always so important to do this, do this, always doing, doing, and not prioritizing things in life. And I really have seen the amazing changes that food that's been prepared by the self or by someone else who also has that same attitude, um, it makes a huge difference to our thinking and our emotions. And if we start to realize that I want to really treasure having really high frequency, high, you know, um, good quality emotions and feelings, and the food is going to help, especially by my preparing it with that love, the, the eating it also, as I said, the outside food or whatever the kind of food is on the run, that, that is one thing. But to also combine that along with the food that um, that I, you know, that I've prepared, it's huge the difference that will make to my mind, my emotions, my thinking, and and even that will start to slow me down. I think sometimes we fill our lives with just too much don't you think really I, I know for myself it's often been a uh, you know a habit that goes against goes against us but I do think it's something we need to treasure sorry you spoke about um three categories of food and the person saying that they're very new to this philosophy. Could you just say where you got those categories from? What, what were those categories and where from? Okay. Um, Ayurvedic. It's an, uh, these come through Ayurvedic um, medicine. Uh, but the Ayurvedic principles, which, as I say, they don't date back at least 2,000 years. It's nothing new. It's a very ancient understandings of food groups and food types um, and of course they are based on what is as I mentioned prana which is the life-giving force in food we're starting to talk now a bit more about the subtle frequency and energy again of foods um, which you know we can't deny you know it's a bit like the thought energy that goes into things and transforms matter. We know how quickly our thoughts can affect our bodies and, and matter. You know, very quickly we can have so much stress in our heads and be so frenetic and concerned and worried about something. And the next minute our shoulders get in, you know, pain, our back starts to feel bad. Instant, you know, those thoughts of stress and worry instantly get lodged into the muscles, into the body. So it goes into matter, goes into the body that way, but goes into the, into the food. And so this, these are the, the subtle vibrations. And so this, as I say, 2,000 years at least, these classifications have been known. Um, and again, I'd probably suggest, you know, if you've got any interest, um, just experiment. Like just for, I find maybe a week is not long enough, but just for two weeks, just to try sattvic, the sattvic foods, which are the true essence, with, which have the highest quality vibration. So if we're having 
our consciousness combined with the, the high level foods frequency, then we're on the way to be able to bring transformation and change to our thinking and emotions. Um, and so pretty much, as I said, the sattvic foods are the ones that are the fruits, the vegetables, the grains, the legumes, the nuts, um, all of those are the ones that have, you know, such a much higher frequency. So that's probably what I would suggest from that. But you can certainly look into this. Again, I'll put you onto Google to look up all the details on this um, Ayurvedic categories. Thank you, Chrissy. Thank you. It truly has been a delight for us here. Um, yes, it is our evening, but for those of you who question any of this idea of how food affects your lightness of being, your cheerfulness, and your energy as a person, well, how do you look at 4.30 in the morning? And would you be able to give such a detailed, interesting talk? I think, Chrissy, you absolutely show us how it's so visible and practical in our lives. So thank you.